Are you listening? I'm joined by my co-host Paul Hadfield. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm well. I, uh, I, I, I should be down in Bright currently, but my race has been cancelled. Mm, which race is that? Uh, Bogong to Hotham, unfortunately canned for the weekend, so I'm up in the sunny Sutherland Shire instead. Too many <laughs> fires down around Mount Hotham and Mount Beauty, unfortunately. So yeah, we'll have to keep the training rolling through the six-foot track now. Yeah, not long. That'll come around quickly. A couple of months to go. Yep. Our special guest today is Pete Clifford. Thanks for giving up your time, Pete, and coming in. That's a pleasure. Thanks for having me in, Matt. No worries. Before we get into it, I'd like to thank our partners, Renala Sydney Brewery, and you guys have got a couple of beers. Have yeah. you had a taste, Pete? What do you think? It's good. Glamour. Yeah, glamour. Nice bit of... <laughs> Glamorama. Glamorama. <laughs> yeah. Glamorama. Always spend a bit of time on Glamorama Beach back in the day. There you go. Also, Goo Energy, Guy Mialoed Health and Fractal Running Caps. And if you look at the summary of this show, down the bottom will be the discount codes for people if they want to purchase online. And what about the uh, TH Shorts, mate? Have you had a crack in them since we spoke last? I do. I like them. Yeah. I'm a big fan. TH Sherpa Shorts. Yep. So we've got a discount code for our listeners for them as well, actually. So add that to the list. We'll flick that onto the show notes but what's the discount it's in hong kong dollars so it's very difficult for me to understand <laughs> my, my mathematical skills eluded me there but i th- i think it's 10 percent mm. yeah. yeah i like the guesswork anyway yeah that's Get right guess and you yeah. yeah and that's on the sherpa shorts and the commando undies and stuff they've got a heap of gear so get on and have a look t8 shorts they are comfy to run in yeah they are Mate, I've got a listener question straight off the bat. For you, actually. Great. This is from Scott Hazelton, friend of the show. Yeah. Looks a little bit like Theon Greyjoy from uh, Game of Thrones, if you've seen that. Uh, so he's just asked, I've listened to episode 52 with Lachlan Danzy and noticed the wolf dropping more F-bombs than ever before. This coincided with his intro that he confessed to having several beers prior to the show. My question is this. <laughs> Given that the low blood sugar levels associated with endurance running can be likened to the effects of several beers, is the wolf known to increase his profanities the further he runs, or is it isolated to the effects of beer only? <laughs> I think I'm too fatigued to swear out on the trail. Uh, <laughs> good question, mate. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a really good question. Thanks, Scotty. Um, yeah, I'm going to say, um, you know, I, I get that swearing Tourette's, <laughs> Not the kind of guy you want no. on speakerphone. Yeah. That's right. And my new work colleagues can vouch for that at the Christmas party. So, hi, uh, hi Matt, I'm just in the car with, uh, <laughs> with my mum. <laughs> my five year old daughter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just quick check on the uh, profanity meter there. Yeah. How far have you run or how many beers have you had? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I reckon you swear more after beer than running. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So that answers the question. Good yeah. question, yeah. Scotty. Good question. You swear less after running. That's right. You're too fatigued. You feel good. That's yeah. right. You feel good. That's right. So I should also thank Jimmy Carroll for doing the editing behind the scenes. Nice work, Jimmy. So, Pete, you got into triathlons 30 years ago. What is it about triathlons that you like so much? Um, the, ver- the variety. 
Yeah, I've had a few, I've had a few goes at different uh, hitting up single sports over the years um, with running and cycling, and I just kept coming back to triathlon because it just bored me doing one sport. Yeah, so you got <laughs> I, plenty of variety. Yeah, I like the variety, and and to be honest, the the um, the environment here in Southern Shire it just it just welcomed you. You know, like I was. A, but mainly a runner with Billy's Bushies, you know, and that was where I sort of grounded myself in that. But then the Bushies were all involved in triathlon as well. Yeah. Yeah, they were hitting Foster pretty hard in the day. Yeah. And um, and so you, if once you tapped into those guys, they were, they'll start. They were, a lot of them were members of Canola Tri Club as well. So yeah. it was just I reckon the community sort of held held that link. To yeah. be honest. Yeah, and, and I'm big, big, big fan of community. I love it. Did you start triathlons before the bushies, or bushies first, then triathlons? Um, triathlon first. Yeah, it's, it's all a, it's all a bit of a blur there. I was sort of take it one step, step back. I had uh, a couple of mates died in an accident, which was uh, pretty tragic, and um, and. Got to, and went to the funeral, and one of the one of the guys there said, "Oh, you know, I've been going down to um, this exercise group called Wanda Colors. I don't know whether you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was down at Wanda Surf Club, and I was so we'd go down there Wednesday nights and uh, do a bit of exercise stuff with those guys. And there was a few bushies in there, and so then I I also had a link through my wife's friend that um, they were involved in bushies as well, so. Um, it was pretty much all happened at once. Yeah. yeah. And so when you've done a fair bit of running with the Bushies. Did they rope you in to do any trail runs such as the six-foot track? Yeah, done six-foot track twice. Have you? Nice. Yeah, one successfully and one unsuccessfully. Right. Yeah. Talk us through the unsuccessful one. The unsuccessful one was my first DNF. Oh, that yeah. was, I, I, um, I rolled my ankle on a tree root at Nellie's Glen. Oh, all things. Early days. Like 3K in. Yeah. 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 Like you've just come down all the stairs yeah. and then... You relax. You relax and then there's a lot of tree roots exposed yeah. then. I don't know whether that and happens. it's dark. It's, yeah, it's pretty dark and, and then... So I went over on it, kept going and uh, I thought, okay, I can keep going. Ran all the way to the top of the bloody pluviometer. Wow. And so I was at 27K 26, in. 26K yeah. 26 in. And I thought, I'm sweet, I got to the top of the hill, and as soon as I flattened out, just locked up, my calves locked up, because yeah. I was, like, running on the front of my foot. Yeah, and, protecting um, that ankle. Yeah, and, and then, so, I got carted out in a, um, in a white Land Cruiser, in the back of that, that was the worst experience of my life, going, travelling across that trail, in the back of a... Back of a plane cruiser, getting knocked around, feeling pretty ordinary. Because you're feeling a bit ordinary at the top of the pluvio. And it's embarrassing. And it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's very embarrassing, especially with the bushies. So what's your six-foot time in the race that you did finish? Oh, jeez, that's hard. I think it was about six hours. Yeah, okay. Pretty much six hours. Yep. What a years ago. Very personal question, early wolf. I think it was... <laughs> <laughs> well, it was pretty. I mean, it's, it's did not see. Well, that's a bit. I'd, I'd have to. I've got the medal at home. I think it, it hasn't got the year on it, but call me later, Pete. It's fine. It's a ninety. It's, I think it's about a nineteen ninety-five number. So what's that? Jeez, yeah. twenty-five years ago. 
We're going back. Scary. And so, with the Bushies, did uh, did you get some sort of nickname? Everyone seems to have a nickname. Big Pete. Big Pete. Everyone's big. Nice. Yeah. It's either big or little. Little Al, little... Tall Paul. Yeah. Man I Al. Yeah. No, they're, really, they're highly original, so That's Big right. Pete, yeah. That's right. I was always a forward playing a backs game, mate. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was always trotting around around 90 kilos playing this stupid game of endurance sport. There you go. Uh, with a dodgy knee. Which, uh, we might get judged to come and talk to you about some coaching. <laughs> <laughs> so we met about 20 years ago at the Tri Club. Yeah. And uh, I think we might have been training to do an Ironman at the same time, 2002. Oh, 2002 was my last Ironman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I think it was about that time you started coaching the kids, the juniors as well. Yep. And so what is it that you like about uh, coaching the juniors or the kids? Oh, just... Like, I, I love coaching anyone. It was... Coaching is just... Um, I, I had always wanted to coach. I'd always sort of sought out sort of experiences in coaching in football and, and that. And um, it always interested me. I was a bit of a... Um, bit of a student of the sport even before that happened so um, when I first decided to do Ironman in 1996 I actually sought out a coach at that time which there was like there's none around but um, back in the day we had uh, a guy in the show called Eric Hunter and um, he was a bit of a sports science guru and uh, he helped me out with a, a program done on Excel yeah nice it was very very highly technical, and it was just periodized. You mean there's up. a better way? <laughs> <laughs> it's um, yeah, no, there's not. <laughs> and you know, it, it worked. Um, but and so yeah, I was like, I fascinated with coaching, and uh, whenever I was doing my training, I just spent a lot of time thinking about my training. I always think about ways of getting better and how I'd do it. So um, as soon as I got an opportunity to do that, I, I took it up with. Um, both hands, and I managed to get a bit, a fair bit of opportunity with um, the Tri New South Wales uh, coaches, Aaron Lean and Jamie Turner at the time, and um, a, bit, a fair bit of mentoring there, and got some opportunities at some development camps, which I loved, and um, yeah. There you go. The rest, they say, as history. Yeah. So in 2005, you started HPT coaching with Mick. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got juniors, development athletes, age groupers. Uh, you've got professional athletes. Yep. So what is the most challenging part of the role and what's the most rewarding? You know, that's really funny you ask that question. I'm driving here today and I'm thinking they're going to ask that question. What's the most challenging part of coaching and what's the most rewarding part? The most rewarding part definitely is seeing athletes rewarded for hard work. Mm. And generally you see it, you know, like... Yes, the ones that put in the, the real effort um, are generally rewarded, I, I find. So um, that's the rewarding part. The, the challenging part is, um, is when you don't see it, <laughs> yeah. you know, when it's robbed from them by mishap, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've seen, a, you know, I've seen a couple of instances, instances of that over the, the time uh, where athletes have just um, yeah, had a bike crash very close to an Ironman and um, that sort of stuff, and that's gut-wrenching stuff. But um, the, the challenging part uh, as well, we were ch- chatting quickly before the show, Paul, weren't we? It was, it was about the, the time limits, you know, setting boundaries around 
time because you, you look up any coaching um, stuff on the internet. You know, I don't really listen to many podcasts about the sport. I listen to podcasts about you know like uh, coaching and leadership and all that sort of stuff. Running man's podcast. Running man's yeah. podcast. Yeah. Good. good. Save your favourites. Yeah, so it's a favourite. It comes up on the top. Yeah. So it, I, yeah, I just think um, that. Um, that you you get a lot out of it, but you get a lot out of it from the sporting perspective. But a lot of the rewarding and the challenging parts come off the ball, you know. So you know, seeing people, seeing athletes have kids, seeing athletes, um, you know, get married, and seeing you know, and then seeing them lose parents, and seeing them, um, uh, you know, lose jobs, and you know through financial areas and you know like all that stuff and that that really sort of affects you a fair bit but yeah the challenging part is also the fact that that's always on 24 7 hmm. yeah makes sense part of the family mate yep yeah mate i've got um question about popularity i suppose so triathlon seemed to enjoy a golden age in australia in the 90s and sort of spilling over into the 2000s when you were probably finishing up with yep. Iron Man yourself. Mm-hmm. So how do you see the strength of triathlon in Australia in 2020? The strength of triathlon is... Um, the strength of sport is, seems to be... Well, it used to be measured by um, by membership numbers at, um, at the federations, you know, in the associations and that. And that I don't think that really is apt anymore like if you look if running specifically is a really good example of that mm. um, if you looked at the numbers of members of uh, Athletics Australia it would tell a different story to the numbers of people to participating and competing in park runs for instance mm. around, the, around the world it around, around the yeah, world yeah, 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 around yeah. the world yeah um, you know just an athlete on his honeymoon last week and he did a park run on uh, Hamilton Island, you know. Did he win it? No. <laughs> yes. Too much. Too much. <laughs> oh, you've done this. But I got there on a very soft week, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> do you go up you go up the hill, do you? Mm. Mm. No, you just go a couple of laps, pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um so um the strength of the sport is is difficult look. It's difficult to track sometimes, but I see nothing but strength in uh, certainly in triathlon. It's, it's you know it's growing in um, not just popularity, but growing in its intent. You know, there's a lot of people looking to get better at it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a serious business. You know, like ten years ago at an ITU World Championship level age group, mm-hmm. I'm talking, you know, you could pretty much sign up for sign up for a couple of, like a yeah. a qualifying race and you'd get a spot you yeah. know it was pretty pretty cruisy and the last few years I know I've tried to get people through and if it's certainly the Australian um, the one on Gold Coast a couple of years ago it was um, red hot competition to get a spot there mm-hmm. and even now you're starting to see it you know like people trying to get get into those um, to qualify to get to Lausanne last year wasn't easy mm-hmm. you know so, so the quality's there. I, the quality's there. So I, I, I see the popularity has gone well, but it's also the quality. You know what? Mm. The, the, the the makeup has changed, of it? You know, makeup. I think it's great. Mm. And so, like speaking of quality, so our, our little neck of the woods, the Southern Shire, seems to produce an enormous array of talent. So, 
How is this little shire punching so far above its weight in terms of triathlon talent? That's a really, wow, yeah, it's a good question. You, 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 you're talking to an oldie, which is good. <laughs> it's, it's, and, and I, look, I, look, I model my coaching, I really do, I, I model a lot of my coaching on the way the Shire used to be. Like, the way I saw Billy's, Billy's Bullshit, I saw it as a high-performance environment. Mm. You know, they certainly it, had the results to reflect that. Yeah, yeah. there's some, some bloody good athletes come out of that group, you know, like, you're riding along in in bushies and you know like a, a Steve Cunningham you know yeah, Steve yeah. yeah he's you know he's well credentialed at you know top ten at um, at Foster hmm. and there's a lot of them that were, that were up there and but you know like just stopping at the bushies level and and that that you go outside that to, you know the first my first bushies run was a survival run hmm. down at um, Waterfall. And um, Welshy was there. Yeah, right. <laughs> he won survival, three-hour run. So you'd, you'd climb through, we'd climb through the, um, through the creek there, went up the hill, up the top of, um, I can't, can't even remember the name of the trails now. You get up the top, up towards the farm, go across the farm. Oh, the berg track. Of, the berg track, yeah. yeah. And, and then you, and, and what's the name, Welshy and, uh, I can't remember, it might have been a Southwell with him. Um, they had the bush bash down through. They couldn't find the bird tracks, so yeah. it, um, they they bush bashed their way down down back in onto the um, onto the main road and come back in and, and picked up the win. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying Greg Wilkes cheated that day? Yeah, he might have. You heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. So you know, look, I just see I see the Shire as it it. Look, it's hard to pinpoint it in. I mean, certainly the the physical environment's great. Mm. So you've got the national Royal National Park there. That's like mm. trails, hills. You know, great training group. You know, the, the beaches are all around us. You've got just where HBT trains. You've got the pool there, like fifty meter and a twenty five meter, and then an indoor mm. gym with it. Like right next door is a four hundred meter grass running track, and then right next door to that's the crit track of 1k or 1k or 1.5 with a hill yeah. it's like a bloody institute of sport yeah next to the trails there too yeah right yeah and one further yeah it's yeah. right next to the trails yeah mountain bike heaven mm. so you know i think the physical environment's massive but then that created an environment at the time where you had a lot of guys um that were that were guns and that just feeds on itself doesn't it like the yeah. surf clubs you know yeah the surf clubs were a massive part of it in those days Mm-hmm. Mate, in, in my estimation, a triathlete usually usually comes to the sport leaning towards being a stronger swimmer or a stronger runner. So is it harder to teach someone to run or to swim? Oh, definitely harder to teach them to swim. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Adult onset swimmers are the bane of the... <laughs> of the Adult young. onset swimmers. Ooh, it's bloody it's hard. Dirty, it's right? so hard. Yeah, it's pretty hard because you know, like spatial awareness is not not an easy thing. Okay. Um, Even the crashing of the lot, or what's yeah, they just don't know where their limbs are because your your arms are moving around, can move at any you know anywhere. Oh, their body in space, in yeah, their body in space. Right. Yeah. Okay. They're not spatial awareness. They're not running into each other. Thing. <laughs> um, yeah, they they're just um, knowing where their hands are, where their arms are, and and that's so. 
like definitely, um, definitely swimming's the tougher one. So you prefer someone to be a good swimmer and teach them how to run then? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. It's a shame. I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of sinkers too. But having said that, like if, if you're a runner, you, you know, like it's a runner sport. Yeah. Triathlon's a runner sport, guaranteed. Okay. That's where the time's made. Oh, I reckon so, yeah. Yeah. yeah if, you're a, if you're a good runner, you're a good triathlete. Yes. You're in. <laughs> But you do have to get out of the water, Harry. Oh, mate, my my uh, my ass, to put it bluntly, just doesn't swim well. (laughs) Well, there's a thing called uh, wetsuit shorts now, which a lot of people are starting to use. And yeah, I'll be in that. It's been an advent. The the old swimmers uh, go; they don't like it. The old swimmers, the old swimmers that came up as kids, they don't don't like people using swim aids. So they think it's a. I think it's soft. Think it's okay. Yeah. What's on? Do they um they allow those in racing then? Um no, well wetsuits are allowed in racing, okay. the full full wetsuit, but yeah. not the shorts, no. Do you ever see someone like is there room for sort of cheating in that area? Like, you know, a bit of a helium balloon in the wetsuit area? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? No. No. I'm just interested in this uh, this Kipchoge thing. Are you thinking thing. about it, though? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these shoes that Kipchoge just broke two hours in, which well, are about to be banned. They're just by about to be banned, things. aren't they? I'm just thinking of a way we can improve, you know, our triathletes. I think a couple of little helium sacks inside their wetsuit would work pretty well. <laughs> Might keep my legs up. Yeah. It's the arse that you've got to keep up. That's a shame. It's all over. Mate... I could be wrong, but it seems there are sort of two big chunks of particular ages when it comes to tri-participation. Mm-hmm. So big junior ranks and then big sort of, I guess, 30, 40 plus ranks. Do you, yeah. do you see a lull in participation between those two groups there? Do they, they, they yeah, pop definitely. out in their 20s and 30s? Yeah, I don't have a, a lot of people in their 20s. Mm. It's because they've discovered alcohol. They've discovered alcohol and the opposite sex. They're yeah. having fun. Yeah, they're having fun. Yeah. And then they realise the um, <laughs> the folly, the folly of having fun with alcohol and the opposite sex. Yeah. Can cost you a lot more money than triathlon probably. Yeah. They come back to you eventually. Yeah, it'll come back and hurt. So, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, look, um, and you see that in, um, I guess you see that in um, surf clubs as, as well, surf life saving is... A bit of a drop off, isn't there? After they get out of nippers, they try to keep them in the cadets. But you know, once you get to that point, you start to get that real competitive phase. So, if you've come out of that yeah. juniors and you're still in the sport when you're 20 to 24, you're probably going to be reasonably good at the sport and mm-hmm. having a crack at it. But you, triathlon seems to be able to drag these people back though. Whereas, surf club, mm-hmm. there's not too many guys competing in masters, but yeah. age group triathlon is massive. Yeah, why do they come back to triathlon? Well, why do they come to ultras? That's, there's that bit of a... Um, escapism. You know, a, a, yeah, escapism. Get out of the house. <laughs> could be. It could be. I, I just think it's, you know, look, you just want to get something special out of life, don't you? It's a big challenge. You pick a big challenge. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. Pick a big challenge. And, and triathlons certainly got that um, yeah. for... It's got challenge written all over it if you're um, if you've been a footballer all your life, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You got a listener question. Got a listener question. We can um, we can go ahead. Um, Julian the Moose Spence 
Um, he's got a question. Friend oh, of the show. Friend, friend of the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> F-O-T-S. Thoughts? Mm. I'm keen to uh, get into triathlons. Unfortunately, I had a bad experience at the Kit Kat Club in Berlin. It's an S&M club. Oh, really? Um, consequently, I get anxiety around lycra, leather, candles and whips. <laughs> Which makes it really hard to cycle. Can you make any suggestions to get into cycling without wearing lycra? Thanks for your help. Um, uh, do I answer this one with a level of seriousness? Seriousness? No, I don't. Don't think so. Not. <laughs> That's a good question. It is a good question. <laughs> He's certainly got the right um, sense of humour to become a triathlete. So you've ticked that box. You need a certain level of sarcasm and, and uh, cynicism. 216 uh, marathon helps too. 214. 214 marathon. 214 marathon. Yeah. Just stick with marathon running, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get into triathlon. It's just ridiculously expensive. I think that's the answer. I think that's his answer. Yeah, yeah, just forget it. Stick to what you're good at. Stick to what you're good at or, you know, if you want a bit of seriousness, get into tri- get into uh, adventure racing because that's oh. the next big thing. That's right. Oh, right, eh? That's right. <laughs> how, how, many, uh, how many athletes have you got at the moment, Pete? I, have, I try to keep my local program at about 25 to 30. Yeah. I find that gives my um, gives me just that little critical mass of so if you, you get to a training session you've generally got about a dozen to 15 about a dozen there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And what are your um, what different face to face sessions are you doing? You're all up at Sutherland? All of them at Sutherland? All at Sutherland? Yeah. 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 yeah I do Monday to Thursday nights always at 6 o'clock. Yeah. Um, mon- swimming Monday, Wednesday and bike track th- Tuesday Run track Thursday. Yeah, AM or PM? A uh, PM, sorry. Yeah. Mm. There you go. And, and, and are you full time coaching now, mate? Yeah, HP two is full time. Yep. Yeah. Mick, both Mick and I, I'm a business partner. Mick, um, he, him, and I have both turned full time. Okay. I turned full time in December 2014, which is five years ago, last month. Mm. And um, yeah, like who'd have thought that you could make a full-time gig of coaching, you know, like 10 years ago. You yeah. Because like, I, I was pretty into it, you know, right from the way go, I was doing a lot of coaching camps around, you know, all over all over the place. And people, your friends used to say to me, you, you know, you should do this full-time. And mm. I'd literally laugh at them. Mm. I seriously thought, no, that just can't happen. But then it just grew, the, the sport grew, you know. And I was, I was like, I was in the building industry, um, you draftsman? Draftsman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, I went through the experience of the GFC in 2008, eight nine, wasn't it? Mm. And, um, man, I saw some people hurting mm. financially in that. And and it made you realise that, oh, you know, you think, oh, you're in a nine-to-five, you've got job security, and mm. there's no job security, really. Mm-hmm. There was no such thing in, in the... GFC, some people, a lot of people lost their jobs. I saw it mm. firsthand, you know. Mm. The company I work for halved, you know, over, like, over, over six months. We, we lost a lot of people. Mm. And, um, and you, like, I saw the writing on the wall there was, you know, manufacturing was never going to be a thing in Australia because of our labour rates are too dear. Yeah. Building industry was a race to the bottom for the builders, you know. The, um, price-wise. Price-wise, you yeah. know, like they just undercutting themselves to to uh, to hell and back and um, I just reckon sport and tourism was always going to be our big thing in Australia mm. 
you can't replicate where we live. You know, it's like it's a beautiful part of the world, and yeah. tourism's only going to go up, and I reckon sports are going to go up too. So, made the big jump, and um, and I'm still here five years later. Thank God. It's unreal. There might there can't be too many of you full time triathlon coaches around, can there? No, there's there's not a lot in mm. Australia. Mm. No. No, it's impressive, mate. You must have been nervous that first uh, couple of months, jumping ship. Yeah, God, I jumped. Yeah, I jumped at Christmas time, and um, and yeah, I remember thinking, what the hell am I doing, dropping this big, this monthly weight paycheck? And um, but you know, look, I I um, I didn't do it off just off on a whim. I <laughs> I spent some time with uh, a couple of mentors and engaged a couple of people to help me through that and you know, chuck some money behind me and um, had a plan and and the plan seemed to work which is nice you know it's, you've got to ride it, it's a it's not an easy thing you know um, small business as you know <laughs> yeah mate you got to have a go though you've got to have a go it's impressive you, you've got to have a go so um, I did have a go and I'm still here and and um, you, you just got to live the with take each day as it comes, you know, you've got to be able to ride out each day and mm. do the best you can. So it's it's not an easy gig, but it's a very worthwhile gig. Do what you love, mate. It's do what you love and yeah. yeah right. Do what you love and love what you do. It's unreal. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh so we've got predominantly a, a running listener base. Um with your experience, what are some running tips you can share with us? Say if we if we said say improving economy or what are some other things race strategies or psychology nutrition any any little tips you can give that's a give big question, question. It's that's a question. question. Yeah. Yeah. so let's hit up um, let's hit up, let's hit up economy first yeah that's the big one isn't it like everyone that's the it seems to be the buzzword about uh, is run economy these days I I, I like I spent a fair bit of time around running in the day, and fifteen years ago, no one talked about running running economy. Just run faster, mate. Yeah, just run faster. Pete, yeah. Are you taking the piss out of my question? Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you know that. Oh, we, that's how the sport's grown, hasn't it? It's funny. Yeah, that's like that's like now here we are talking on a podcast. Like ten years ago. You know, you'd buy the triathlon magazine or the runners magazine, you know, Aura. Mm. You know, have if, if you ever seen a copy of Aura magazine? I, I, I get their online thing. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. But like 15, 20 years ago, it was this little, like, a newspaper thing. But, you know, that's how... And now we're here we are doing a bloody podcast and talking about running economy with, you know, age group and amateur athletes, which is, not to me, it's exciting. I love it. Are you avoiding the question? Uh, okay, oh, I've got no tips. Sorry. It was very different. Nothing. Okay, big tip. My, if anyone asks me a big tip with running, I've, my, I always um, talk about engine and chassis. Right? So engine and chassis is like your your engine is your you know heart lung cardiovascular system yeah. and uh, ability to pump oxygen into your system mm. and um, measured by VO two. And your chassis is all about, you know, the nuts and bolts underneath you. So um, I definitely see a lot of different types of cars out there, Mm. right? And um, economy, at the pointy end, I guess it does come into it. But I don't think it 
comes into it as much as people think. But you know, I've seen some work with some at some HP level, you know, some pretty good athletes, and um, still the battles they have. Whilst they 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 do work on run economy, the battles are the the day to day things of like the chassis, literally of you know lower limb injuries and keeping um, on the field sort of stuff. Yeah, keeping you on the field, mm-hmm. really well said. Yeah, mm-hmm. keeping you on the field to play, and and if you can if you can keep your chassis together, yeah, you're gonna you're not you never if you can't keep the chassis together, you're never gonna get the engine out to play, are you? Yeah, yeah. You know, if that if it's a one. 180, that's a 180B chassis with a, um, a V8 sitting in it, yeah. you're never going to be able to press the accelerator too hard before something falls off. And, um, and so that's the balance, you know. I've, I, I started working with a, a young guy, young local guy, um, just this year. Um, worked with him about a year now. And um, he's, he was classic. He, was, he came to me, he came to me out as a runner actually. And um, pretty decent sort of runner, um, and he's uh, and immediately I saw like data wise he, he was coming out with a big, big engine. Like he was, he was pretty pretty solid on the like go for a long run at four minute k's and mm. that sort of stuff, you know. And so you, you haven't got a you've got a big engine if you're doing that sort of stuff or two at, at low heart rates. Sorry. Or two hearts. Or two hearts. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but he's like he he did one of the like, your classic things you see comes to triathlon wanting to do an Ironman first year. So um, he'd already signed up when I got hold of him, and um, I said, okay, well here we go. And um, first thing I did was took him to a physio, uh, the physio we work with, and uh, said. This guy's chassis needs work. You're gonna to have to have a look at it because um, his engine's just gonna break him. He's that fit. He's gonna break himself. And he and he. We, so we kept his volume low. And um, so I, I I always just keep on that that thing, the engine, engine and the chassis. And the the run economy falls into that nice little you know, segues into that. Real it's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. It's a great analogy. And yeah. so it's like you know if you got the if you're an overstrider, you get a braking force, which is going to cut down your economy. If you're, um, if you're not, you know, if you have, if you've got poor um, gait or poor technique, it's going to decrease your economy. You know, if you've got high vertical oscillation, you all your energy is going to be expelled and it's going to be leaked going up and down, not forward. You know. Yeah. So um, I just keep that engine chassis car analogy going and. Um, that's what I, I like. I just teach my athletes that. Just do that. Just think about yourself like you're a car. Hmm. It's a great segue to uh, talk about Guy Miller Health's chassis recovery system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> book, book your car service. Trademark. Book your car service this month. TM. <laughs> we love working on chassis. The CRS. <laughs> chassis recovery system. <laughs> I've got a, uh, another listener question from... Probably our most prolific question near the florist. So I'm frustrated by the limited amount of merchandise and paraphernalia that I can spend money on in my chosen sport of trail running. Do you think I would have more joy in a seemingly corporate world of triathlon? What are some of the more expensive one percenters I could spend my money on? Um, Good question. It is a great question. Probably the first one you can 
do is the next percent of shoes, isn't it? <laughs> They're pretty expensive. How much are they? Three fifty. Four percenters, yeah. Three four percenters, yeah. Three fifty. Three fifty. Yeah. So yeah. that's a tidy little amount. But um, is everyone still wearing Oakleys? Um, no, oh yeah, some people do. They're what are they? About three fifty as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of Oakleys around back in the nineties. Yeah. There's, I feel like he's already got both of those. Mm. What else can he spend his money yeah. on? <laughs> what else can he spend his money on? Uh, spend your money on a coach, for sure. Yeah, yeah good call. Yeah, wetsuit, bike. Oh, wetsuit. Well, and they're just giving. Got they're a, just, you'd have a bike. You've yeah. got to, you've got to have a bike. The bikes, are, yeah, we're, talk, we're talking 15 grand for a bike now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 15 grand. If you want to get a decent bike, like a top-end bike, yeah. if people drop on 15 on it now, Dead then you add the... Yeah, you know, just throw a bit of a set of four thousand dollar wheels under them, and on top of the fifteen thousand dollar bike. Oh God, mate, come on! Fair yeah. enough. That's incredible. You see, you runners. So no, no idea. You're out there with your little. You know, there's, there's a high your... divorce rate in, in triathlon, isn't there? Yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's no coincidence. Well, there you go. You could, you could probably spend some more money in triathlon than trial running. <laughs> that's, that's right. Four grand for a wheel. Yeah. Holy crap! How much is it to do Ironman these days? Oh, it's still under it's still under a grand. I think it's it's about uh, you know I haven't ended one lately <laughs> since two thousand and two. Nine hundred. It's nine hundred, mate. Yeah, nine hundred. My first one was three hundred and fifty in nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Sent your check off to Glen to uh, Ken Bags and uh, yeah. You'd hope you'd uh, get get a spot. Hope the mail got through. Hope the mail got through in time. <laughs> One of these. Oh, I need to spend money on that. Well, I think that's answered the forest question. I, I think I can see him lining up for Iron Man soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the cynicism is just underwhelming, to be honest. <laughs> so these view, uh, listener questions, I like them. <laughs> Mate, one of the odd things I find about the triathlon kit. Speaking of kit, is the little gap between the top of the nicks and the bottom of the tri top. So, is this like a secret try fetish to have a tan line there, or is there something assisting with better performance in this sort of... Uh, it's definitely performance enhancing to have a good tan line, yep. Just because that little strip across the top of the nicks there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, yeah you've right. got it, if you've got that going, you, you're definitely going to blow away your competitors, and you're going to feel more confident about yourself in the, uh, in the pool and at the beach, <laughs> and um, increased confidence leads to improved performance. That's good. Do you think participation would have been greater by middle-aged men if they didn't have to wear and, and sh- show their beer gut leaking out? Oh, mate, I gave up the sport in 2002 because we, we started to go towards tri- the tri-suits. Yeah. They just came in that year when I left in 2002. It's like, that's time for me to get out. <laughs> yeah. As I say, I was They're not like flattering, a, are they? No, no, they're not flattering, that. Uh, so speaking of corporatisation, I suppose, what's your take on the Ironman guys taking over the world of... They're taking over the world of running currently. Mm-hmm. So how much money do these guys have? And Don't care. They can keep going. I, yeah, yeah. I don't care. Honestly, I don't. I think they, you know, that's... It's built into us to be cynical of that sort of... Um, the tall poppy tall poppy syndrome and you know mm. bloody iron man they don't i don't care about you know it's yeah it is what it is mm. and you don't have to um do it if you don't want to yeah totally so they're signing up for it in their drive yeah, so yeah exactly and p- other people have had a go challenge 
kind of try to have a go mm. and they haven't they haven't succeeded mm. so they've had every opportunity to succeed mm. there's um and you know super leagues making a great inroad into it um and you know god knows where that's going to go like they could go to one man distance too or who knows so who, who's super league forgive my ignorance so. super league um local shy boy macca all oh, right he's right behind it you know he's He's a massive part of it. Um, him and a, a Russian financial backer, is, uh, they've put a lot of money into it and geez, they're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Right? They are doing a fantastic job. They, 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 like Macca, Macca had this dream to um, bring back the, the you know, Tui's Blue series and the St. George Bank series yeah, yeah. Back, to, mm-hmm. back to triathlon. Uh, short, sharp racing, um, quick rest, enduro, you know, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, right. you know, change the order. And um, and they've got the best athletes in the world. They've thrown money at it. They, they treat athletes well. Hmm. Like, they treat athletes like unbelievable. They look after you. If you've got a, if you get a, what they call a golden ticket into the challenge series, into the, into the main series, hmm. um, yeah, they'll look after you. And um, I'll see it, see it as good. So that could, that could go anywhere. Hmm. Um, you know, Iron Man have got to keep on their game, for sure. Okay. So I, I, I welcome it. I, I think it's great. Yeah, well, they're certainly bringing professionalism to, yeah. to some of the events. I mean, they've taken on a couple of trail running events, some of the bigger ones in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, just they own UTA. Ultra Trail and mm. Tarawera in New Zealand. Oh, okay. I think that's going to be a good thing, generally, as long as we don't have to pay a grand to enter, I suppose, but... Yeah. They're knocking on the door of the Royal Double Ultra. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You getting some questions, mate? Oh, yeah. (laughs) They're knocking on the door. Just hold out. Yeah, yeah. The Royal Double Ultra. Stay tuned, people. Stay tuned. Talk me through this, mate. It's a big deal. It's It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Is that two laps of the park? Mate, 50Ks a day. Why why haven't we ever had a marathon in the Shire as a lap of the park? It's 40, is it 42K or 41? On the road. On the road. Up that hill. How good would that be? Yeah, that'd be good actually. Mm. Not in this day and age, you wouldn't get it through, would you? You probably wouldn't get the no. the um the permits, would you? But how good would that be? National parks don't even like you running no the trails. But no one would run it, would they? Because you've got to be fast, and you know they're all soft people in these days. Well, I don't have a crack. I don't want to be called soft. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Oh, well, the trail runners, tra- trail runners certainly not soft, but, you know, road runners. Good talk. What a... Good talk. <laughs> Wait, on, that, on that lighter note, we might pop down to Sean Ranella. All right. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on, Sean. Hey, Sean. It's nice to be back down at Ranella. How you going, mate? Great, thanks, mate. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, should we have a drink to celebrate the new year? Why not? All right, nice one. I reckon the uh, the Glamouramas, uh, the Summer Ale, is a good good pick. What do you think? It is one of my favourites. Yeah. I ended up getting a carton for Jen's fiftieth. Did you? Just before Chrissy or after Chrissy? Yeah. Oh, nice. Before one. New Year, she turned the big five out. Yeah, right. Probably shouldn't mention that on air. Yeah. <laughs> she won't be happy with me. <laughs> You'll find out about that later. Yeah. And. Uh, Sorry, mate. Uh, what are we uh, talking about today? We are th- we're going to talk about a new, or it came out sort of second half of last year. It's a new nutrition uh, on the market called Prepped. Uh, it's it's actually an actual hydration enhancer. 
uh, it's not an electrolyte drink. <clears throat> and basically, it's had 20 years of scientific research and testing, so they put a lot, lot into it before they've released it. And it's a two-step system proven to boost your hydration when you need it most, helping you perform at your peak longer and helping you recover sooner. So how it works is it uses a unique resistant starch designed to enhance fluid absorption in the gut, um, which has an untapped potential to absorb up to five litres uh, of fluid per day, which is, you know, it's a lot of, lot of fluid there that, that can, uh, that's untapped that uh, the body can absorb Definitely. that we, we aren't using. And this process allows athletes to absorb additional fluid uh, to replace what they're losing through sweat. And uh, basically, if we, we all carb load. Uh, we, we, we do that before a race or, you know, it, it's been around for a long time and it's a popular approach for athletes to meet their energy requirements, particularly endurance athletes. Well, until now, there hasn't been an equivalent for hydration. Um, so after all, the human body can't store water in reserve so using this unique resistant starch in the prepped, it primes the body to be able to boost hydration and increase that fluid absorption. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. So how long before an event would you, would you take it? Yeah, it's a two-step system. So there's, there's a prime. So the prime is a pre-workout hydration enhancer, and you can consume it 6 to 18 hours uh, before training or competition. Um, and it's designed to deliver an optimal dose of the, the resistant starch uh, to prepare the gut to be able to use its full hydration potential. Um, and this helps you start your competition or your race or your training better hydrated um, and you're able to absorb fluid more effectively when you need it. Yeah, right. So you're still, you're still having your gels you're still having your, your, your normal nutrition throughout your race, but it, what it's doing is getting it into your body quicker yep. and absorbing that, that yep. quicker. Yep. Um, so, and then obviously there's step two is the recover, and basically it's a post-hydration enhancer. You consume it immediately after your competition or your training, and it's hyper, hypotonic, so it's low in sugar, and it's got a, a really good blend of electrolytes, to replenish fluids and salts that you lose through your sweat. And it also added the resistant starch provides rehydration boost in the 24 hours following that, that race or that, that exertion. Help you with the recovery. Yeah. Sounds good. It's really good. Yeah, there's two flavours. Yep. Mango passion fruit, strawberry kiwi. Um, it's, a, it's got a taste that tastes like it's, it's a smoothie-like texture, so it, it's really easy to, to take. Is it um, just coming... So- it's already it's already sort of mixed. Or? It's it's already mixed. You yep. just shake and away you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's it obviously it's like everything. It's better chilled. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's it's now they've jumped on board with uh, Ironman, I think, and it's it's for a lot of a lot of footballers are taking it. The V8 Supercar, Tim Reed, the triathlete, is one of their ambassadors as well. Yep. Um, a lot of ultra runners. Are coming in, starting to try it out. So, and the the feedback has been back end of the race is where they're really they're really feeling that that it's it's helping. Yeah. Okay. Mm. That's good to know. Yeah. You got plenty in stock. If people want to pop down. Plenty in stock. Yeah. So uh, I think you'll you'll see it starting to pop up at a lot of events. They're jumping on board with 
with uh, they've jumped on board with Ironman, and yeah, I think you'll see it at a lot of events popping up. So come down and check it out, and uh, I, I really recommend trying it out in, within your training or, or or your race. Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds good. All right, well, thanks for your time. Thank you. We'll catch up again soon. No worries. And we're back. Thanks, Sean. That was a good chat. Yeah, you always have something good to say, Sean. Yeah. Good man. Good chat, Sean. Get on down to another. Some pretty good um, reviews. I've listened to his run. Oh, the shoe. Run, the shoe reviews, isn't it? Yeah, I'm he still loving the glide rides. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Asics glide ride. They're unreal. I reckon good triathlon shoe. Actually, mm-hmm. and just keep you rolling forward somehow. I don't know what it is, but they get you up on your toes and, yeah, cool. and moving. Economy. Economy. Give you good economy. Yeah, that's right. Big word. Economy. Down the front of that word. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> Let's the, we'll make fun of something else. Okay. Um, it seems as though a lot of triathletes are fairly numbers obsessed. They love their stats. Yeah. So do you think this can be detrimental to get too caught up in the numbers and forget how to run or ride by feel? Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, um, and then... But that, that sort of ties into that mentality of... Um, more is better so you know like if I go for a 45 minute run uh, or a one hour run is one hour run 25% or 33% better than a 45 minute run well it's 15 minutes better yeah (laughs) certainly looks better on Strava like I'm like it's a you know a light hearted sort of in a light hearted way it's sort of a bit funny Mm. but it seriously holds people back. You know, Strava is a problem. You know, like people will um, do different, they'll do separate Garmin files for warm up to main set to cool down so that their main, so that their run doesn't look like a slow average on Strava. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? What's and right? that's a shame. What's right? <laughs> it's like you do that, don't you, Matt? Sorry. You've never done WUCD. Everyone's done that. That's rubbish. Everyone's done that. Just put it out there and own it. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. You know, look, data's, data's great. It can help you read the story um, backwards, but you should always use it retrospectively as a coach. Definitely, I you know look backwards on if I need to uh, reinforce some ideas, thoughts I've had, mm. for sure. So you use a lot of data with your feedback with your athletes? Or? Yeah, well, there's two types of data. and There's two types of feedback. You get subjective and objective. Mm. So certainly objective data, though. <laughs> it's no limit to the amount of objective data you can get nowadays out of a $500 watch mm. and a training picks account. It's like it's insane. Like there's, but we rely on it. So I'm always working with athletes to give me subjective data as well. So, you know, the, the, the niggles and the tweaks and, the, and certainly um, one of the most important things is mood state. You talk to any of the coaches... And I'll tell you that um, the athlete mood state is your greatest indicator of whether they're handling load or not. Okay. It's interesting. Do you reckon you get some, uh, some mood issues, Wolf, when you're training too hard? Definitely. Do you swear a bit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I believe. Yeah. So it's better to train with a few beers, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And, and caffeine. So your coaching philosophy is based around holistic long-term development of the athlete. Mm-hmm. How much focus do you have on heart rate data to minimise injury and overtraining? Heart rate data. Yeah, that's interesting. When I, I five years ago, I, I sort of 
I had drifted away from heart rate and I've drifted back towards heart rate now. It seems to be the, mm. seems to be, it doesn't lie, does it? No. Can't um, from, no. Unless you get two hearts like Wolf. Yeah, exactly. Switches between the two. He's a hearty character. <laughs> <laughs> One of the biggest problems, but is, is accuracy of these new Garmin wrist heart rate monitors. Yeah, okay. They're not real. They're not real accurate. What do you see? Know. You see them over-reporting, over-reporting? Over-reporting, over-reporting, um, yeah. So too fast. Too fast, yeah. Way too fast. That makes me feel happy. Certainly yeah. on skinny wrists like yours, Patty <laughs> and Matt. <laughs> not fat wrists like coaches. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, heart rate it will indicate, um, it does indicate things, but you, um, if an athlete can tap into that and, and understand that, it's as one part of the puzzle mm. that would be nice so if you're um, if you get a new athlete and you're giving them some guidelines to say easy training session do you use heart rate as a guide um yeah you now i use perceived exertion okay mm. yeah so perceived so we've got training zones of one to five and if it's an easy run it's um recovery pace and it should the and i like the terms so it's you know, zone one is easy. That's pretty easy. <laughs> pretty um, pretty easy to understand. Zone two is comfortable. Zone three uncomfortable. Zone four stressful. And zone five max. Right. And I use so I like those words because yeah. it's easier easily relatable. Yeah. Mm. What do you reckon your run was on the weekend? Thirty four k's through Otford and Helensburg. Do you reckon you were s- stressful, comfortable, easy? It's comfortable. You were fucking easy. <laughs> I was stressful. There's more. I reckon. There's more to be. There's a fair bit to be said for three training zones. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. It's like three. If you if some of the some of the sports just like easy, medium, and hard. Yeah. Right. That's not bad, is it? Like it's pretty easy to understand. Yeah. That's true. Well, I think we've probably got too many training zones. Too complicated. Like, mate, you. You look in training peaks, if you're trying to set training zones, you can set training zones, say, for instance, on in swimming, hmm. and it'll come up with, there's an option there to pick 10 training zones in yeah, swimming. Right. It's like, kidding me? Yeah. I'm either drowning or not drowning. Yeah. Easy, medium, hard. <laughs> Try not to sink. <laughs> I get now, but you've got to really get, you, you've got to get one, two, three, or four. I, I think... Easy, medium, hard. We should get it. Yeah, Traffic yeah. light system, green. Yeah, yeah. Green. Definitely. That's good. I like that. Should we get another listener question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do Have it. you got one? More yeah. cynicism. I've got one. And sarcasm. This one's from Dylan Drainman Sinot. Oh, yeah. I believe you dropped 17 kilos recently. <laughs> Can you share any weight loss tips for blokes like me that keep Uber Eats in business? <laughs> And, and, then, and then he says, I believe you misses baked cakes. That can't help. No, it can't help. Exactly. <laughs> I've, got one, I've got one word for Dylan Sinnott, um, who, you know, full transparency to the, the listeners. I've, I've coached, I have coached Dylan for a, a number of years. Um, he, he was in, um, he was in Foster riding around on his mount, on his BMX bike. Um, doing Foster we, Ironman no 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 no, not doing that he was like 15 years old 
he wanted he all he was tongue he was just tonguing to do an Iron Man at 15, 16 years old. He was right. Tonguing. Awesome. <laughs> he was just he just wanted Iron Man, that's all he wanted. And uh, him and Sam Coy riding around there. Sam Coy. You yeah. know Sam? He's another friend of the show too. Yeah. yeah. Big Sam. Yeah, he came for a couple of training runs. Friend, friend of Puff. Coast run. Yeah. He's still, he's still punching around in, in the sport a bit. Yeah, he did coast run. Did ultra coast trail run. last year. That was right, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you do the 100? Or? Yeah. 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 Even though Cousin Ben pulled out because he was too, climbing too much. Yeah. Left his friend Sam Coy hanging. Mind the pun. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, he, he was sixteen, and, and then he. I eventually gave in when he was eighteen, and said, "Okay, half on man." There's a golden rule in coaching that if if an if an athlete's going to do something stupid, get hold of them and make sure they don't kill themselves. So I did that, and he did his first on half on man at eighteen, and mm. can't remember. It. One word for you, Dylan: honesty. <laughs> okay. Be honest with yourself, son. Yeah. Get off the pies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is that how you lost seventeen kilos by getting off the pies? Then? Uh, eating 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 less than I was expending. Pretty simple formula. Calorie caloric restriction. You can't go beat figure. It. You can't beat it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go Mate, as a coach, it must be horribly frustrating to see one of your charges train the house down and then underperform on race day. So what kind of things do you see contribute to a subpar performance on race day? Um, It can be a number of things. Um, Taper. Tapers are are very individual, you know. I've I've, I've worked with a guy, a sports scientist, who did his PhD on taper. Mm -hmm. and And he tested all of them out on himself. He was a handy runner and a handy triathlete, so he's tried a number of number of them over the years. There's a, but they're very specific. You know, uh, depends on the the type of athlete. Um, some athletes like to go into an event um, not tapered too much. Mm-hmm. Some like to be super fresh. You know, I co- coached Alex Wrightmeyer for a number of years, and he really didn't race that well. Um, too fresh. Mm-hmm. You really didn't taper him too much. He he liked to feel have some work in the body. Yeah, he liked to have some work in the body. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, so what? What are some of the other limiting factors? Definitely um, mental. You mm-hmm. know, you're, you're, a lot of athletes really shoot themselves in the foot. They like to set themselves up for failure just in case failure comes upon them, and so they prepare themselves for that. That's just the nature of the human being so mm-hmm. I'll try to get athletes to race optimistically and like they're gonna they're gonna do their best mm. um, does it seem like there's some obvious self-sabotage like you just think what that was a stupid thing to do like go out yeah. and do a 20k run the day before or yeah. that wasn't on the program like yeah that happens you think people so are, you know doing are they doing it intentionally unintentionally or is it's, that... a, it's mainly you know like it's not my what I see mainly is just in their um, self-talk. So it just talk like, and now in Facebook and social media days, I'll I'll sort of say um, like they'll have had a really good prep for a race, and they'll put a comment up like they put a you know you put a Facebook post up for anything now. It's like it's like you're getting an Academy Award, you know. <laughs> and you, you say like they'll they'll say that they're gonna you know, it hasn't been a great prep, but they're going to go and do their best and, you know, they've had a cold the last week or, you know, and there's, 
Like there really is every every athlete will go in there with some little niggle or you know some yeah, little yeah, challenge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think if I can probably get get off the just be positive, you know, mm-hmm. have a crack. I'm real. Po- I'm a very positive coach, and yeah. everyone says that about me when I coach. I like positivity is going to get a lot more out of an athlete than yeah. negativity ever will. I hate that talking yourself down before the race. You it's know, you're having fun. a chat before the race, and there's you know half the people out there sort of talking about their little niggly calf or some other crap. Just mm. have a go, you know. Yeah, something good might happen. You know, yeah, something good. Might, you know, there's a lot behind those little comments, but you know, mm. they've they might have you know really seriously, you know, suffered in you know through their childhood or whatever. You know, they've really they. They don't know how to handle, you know, Something excelling. Yeah. yeah, they don't want to put it out there that they, they they might have a good good crack. You know, they undersell it. What about you, Wolf? Do you undersell yourself? Uh, look, yeah, I've I been bet. allergic to success before. <laughs> allergic to success. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, is that a hash? That's a hashtag. Hashtag. <laughs> waiting to waiting to happen. Hashtag. Hashtag allergic, allergic to success. success. Copyright there. I'll, I'll just put it out there. Some four hour six foot track wolf. Just chuck it right out there. Oh, right. Don't bring that. Up. <laughs> yeah, what's what's your best time, wolf? Four oh six. Four oh six. You sound like me. My fate, my fastest Ironman eleven oh three. Fastest half Ironman set five oh three. Oh. It just hurts. Yeah. That's brutal. Four oh six. You're gonna carry it around. You're gonna have to break it, mate. You're gonna have to break the hoodoo. Twenty twenty. That's the plan. Big. That's the plan. What about um, the opposite scenario? Do you, you see athletes shock you with a sort of out of the park performance? Oh yeah, definitely. Hmm. Probably two years ago. Um, two years ago with um, Ironman Port Macquarie had two really um, breakout performances that day with um, Jimmy Gulane and um, Shane Lauder. They really, really, really cracked on hmm. and. Um, yeah, Jimmy went sub ten, which was great. That was um, he just had a great day, but it was super tough all day. Like, you know that that prep was. I tried some different stuff in that prep as a coach, which was that was very satisfying. I was I, I changed things around in their um, in their in their training and threw a lot at them. Not volume, not intensity, not not one thing, but a lot of different stuff. Okay. Just make, I tried to make them bulletproof. I love the term bulletproof. I like that too. That's yeah. great. If you can be bulletproof on the day of an Ironman mm. or an ultra run, you know, like UTA, you've got to be bulletproof, haven't you? Have you come across any crazy fuckers like Steve Prefontaine or anyone that's... Steve Prefontaine? Like anyone that's... Like you're saying bulletproof. What, what is, what's, he, what's he saying? I'm here to die or something? What's, uh, that's a great day to die? Go, yeah. go out and... Suicide pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. a great day. Today's a great day. Today's a great day to die. Isn't that exciting? That just gives me a little chills up the spine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if you've, yeah, if you've, <laughs> I haven't. No. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have a story like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Someone that tells Someone... everyone to get fucked before the gun goes. Yeah, that's the sort of person. Yeah, no, like. everyone's too soft in those. Everyone's too, you know, you can't upset too people concerned. now. And yeah. You, if you, well, say, if you say someone needs to harden up, they get all upset. So you can't do that. We, we were talking before we 
yeah, press play today about Aussies being a bit soft there, Pete. So yeah. maybe not having enough adversity to overcome. What, yeah. what, what's your stance there? Um, my stance there is, you know, like, it is what it is, isn't it? Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to go back and, and tell kids that they... You know, I've got to be, grow up with no toys or like no, no, no shoes, maybe. Yeah, no shoes. Like there was literally in, like, I I, did, oh, I sound too, well, I sound like an old fart now, don't I? You're gonna go back in the day. Gonna go back in the day. Hashtag. Back in the day, it was. It was. Times were tougher, and you did. Um, you know, and and I guess in thirty years' time, they'll say, you know. We were hard back in, you know, 2020. Um, It is what it is, you know. But look, if you generally talk to a lot of coaches around the place, they will generally say that um, Euros are tougher Mm. than Aussies because they they just do it a little bit harder. You know, it's that culture Mm. of, of toughness. You know, and and yeah, we we are getting a little bit soft. You know, like I saw a. I saw a tweet yesterday that um, they're talking about getting rid of, um, in kids' soccer, they can't head the ball anymore. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. So, like, where are we going? Because they're worried about hurting their Yeah, yeah, brain injury. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, you can't, like, you, you can understand it. Like, there's probably massive amount of science that backs this sort of stuff up. But, you know, have we come here into this life to just, protect ourselves that much or I, I we... think it's more insurance and science that's backing that up yeah it probably is yeah it probably is but you know look I think um, yeah it's it's a generally it's generally accepted that Aussies are pretty um, are getting a bit softer and that's probably showing up um, in in you know our world performances are we where, okay. are we where we were yeah Probably maybe I wouldn't more. have thought so. But. Some of the yeah, you know, some of the guys that have um, are our greatest athletes of now. You know, some of our para athletes, you know, Lauren Parker mm. in triathlon. I don't know whether you know her story. Yeah. She was an Ironman triathlete and out riding a um, out riding a few years ago in a pothole and um, was become paraplegic and now she's competing on the world stage, um, winning World Cups and and. Big events and and she's so she she that's adversity, mate. <laughs> that's adversity, and she's like she's pretty tough. It's she's been able to show that she's been you know, pretty tough. You know the Kurt Fernleys and the you know some of those guys that they that's I look up to those guys. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, it's amazing. The rest of us got nothing to complain about. We have another sure. mate. We can walk out of here today. No. No, exactly. Mate, um, what, what would you say would be the average weekly hours devoted to training for your typical high-end Ironman athlete? How long are they out there? Oh, jeez. There's a... There's Dan Plew's a uh, sports scientist and, um, and Ironman coach. He came... He, he's quoted as saying, the entry point for elite age group... Oh, you don't want to use those two words together sometimes but that's how the sport's going now mm. um, if you want a pointy end mm. so pointy end age group the entry point is a thousand TSS um, so that's a training peaks training load score mm-hmm. so that a thousand TSS might equate say you're averaging um, 
TSS point a minute. So that's about 16, 17 hours. Okay. Yeah. There's some crazies out there doing 20 hours. Mm. Um, um, and these are age group guys. Age group guys got full-time jobs. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they manage themselves fantastic, you know. Mm. Well, that, that's, I guess that's what I'm interested in. Like, do you think there's something these guys could teach regular population about time management? Like, everyone's got this default position of saying how busy they are, but surely mm. they just need to talk to an Ironman triathlete to realise that they're not busy at all. Do, do these guys just do it better? Um, geez. Oh, no. I don't know whether they do it. They just do what they got to do. Mm. You, know? you prioritise what you want in life, don't you? Mm. You know, like if you got kids, you got young kids, mm. you you're going to spend a lot of time with like young kids because mm. that's what you prioritise. Because you, would think you so. like it. Yeah. Yeah. You should. You should. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Unless they've been little shits, which can happen on the odd occasion. But um, you know. You know, and and look. To be fair, some of the guys, like a lot of the guys that are um, that are putting those big hours in, um, probably are, are not haven't got families. You know, haven't got kids and that sort of thing. Yeah, they've yeah. got they've got predictable jobs that you know are really conducive to putting those hours in. They're not builders and they're not mm-hmm. you know plumbers and physical all that. yeah, yeah stuff jobs that are really screwing their backs up and that sort of stuff. Mm. Not physical jobs. They're sitting in offices and they can go for a run at lunchtime and I mean it doesn't take long to get sixteen hours up mate if you if you can if you manage yourself properly and you've got you know you you've got a nine to five job. Yeah. And been been divorced. Divorced. No, no, no. So if anyone wants some advice, just go and buy a fifteen grand bike. Yeah, tell exactly. you this is after the fact. <laughs> get a divorce. Yeah, so you train as much as you want. Yeah, that's that's sexist. Like there's plenty of girls out there buying fifteen thousand dollar bikes, man. Okay. <laughs> You've always been sexist. Yeah. <laughs> Sticking with strengths, Pete. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. So seriously, on that note, like, do you uh, do you see people? missing sleep in order to fit that 16 to 17 hours training uh, in and where do you find the balance there? Sleep's a big thing these days, isn't it? There's mm. more studies and more YouTubes and more uh, sleep experts than you've had on dinners out there now. Yep. Um, probably the, you know, there's definitely people undersleeping. We know that. Um, but... I recently heard a good podcast on, uh, I listened to uh, Finding Mastery podcast with Michael Gervais, and he was sleeping, to a, talking to a sleep expert, and he he thinks that sleep is a little bit more fluid than that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like we all, like I'm personally a, an early riser, but I'm pretty tired by 8.30, at mm-hmm. night, so I always say I sleep eight hours, two on the lounge, and Six in bed, you know. It's very individualised sleep though, isn't it? Like yeah, I think some, it is. Some people need eight yeah. hours, some people do fine with six and then yeah. some... For sure. With, with, with junior athletes, it's a big problem, mm. I reckon, because they, they need a lot of sleep, they're growing, and they spend a lot of time on their phones at night, you know, they go to bed and then they're on their phones, so mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a, that's a big problem. The quality of sleep's not quality there. quality of sleep's not there, because they're on their on their screens mm-hmm. at night. I, I do reckon that that's a problem. Um, adults, I mean, you, you, you kind of just manage, you get by, don't you, with your sleep. Mm-hmm. You, 
I mean, when I was when I was training and racing, I, I would definitely, I I did all my training in the morning mainly, mm. and um, yeah, yeah, I'd, alarm would be four thirty. So, and that's an alarm. So if you're waking up to an alarm, it's going to be hard, isn't it? You, mm. You're kind of faking it if you're hitting an alarm early. Yeah, you're potentially getting out of that deep sleep pattern there into. Sleep's a, to me, sleep, sleep is probably secondary to um, under-eating, I reckon. Okay. You see a bit of that? Massive. Yeah. Yeah. They call it red S now, don't they? The red relative, relative energy def- deficiency syndrome. So, you think that's got to do with the, that gut thing? That's it. The tricep. Tri- tricep. <laughs> the tricep. Definitely. Uh, mate, there's, I mean, sport nutrition is probably the area that'll... It'll tap in, you know. There's mm-hmm. too many outliers, you know, like in nutrition. Mm-hmm. Let's just stick to the middle and yeah, 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 let's just sure. get people eating the right amount first. And, yeah. You know. Let's not be paleo or veggie. Let's just eat some good food. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I've, I work with there's a, a nutritionists that I work with, um, Compute Nutrition, and they're pretty good too. They, mm-hmm. They've got a they've got a really broad um, approach to it. They they tackle the big issues of high fat, low carb, and and how to do that, and it does work for some people, and it doesn't work for some, mm-hmm. and we know that. I mean, we know that there's athletes out there that are eating meat only. That we we know there's, mm-hmm. you know, Dave Scott was you know, you know, famously a vegetarian, so mm-hmm. you can be a great athlete doing that stuff, but, um, you know, mainly I think if you can get on top of athletes. Being able to eat enough, mm-hmm. yeah, they're not. They're just not eating enough. They're yeah. just not eating enough. Most of fuel in the tank. They're under fuel in the tank, and they, you know, they they're just turning up with low low energy availability, yeah. and um, they can't complete their training sessions the way they should be doing. You know, and and, and potentially holding on to weight as a consequence of yeah. that under eating. So it's it's a bit of a yeah, catch twenty two. Yeah, which then refers on to bone stress. Injury and hormone you know, imbalance and stuff. Hormone imbalance, lack of menstruation with you mm. know, with females and you know, yeah, it's it's that problem is from what I see is hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. That, so I think nutrition's bigger than sleep even. Okay, mm. it's a big deal. It's a big deal, mate. Mm. Mate, what's your stance on getting your athletes out there training in Sydney smoke at the moment? Um, probably. <laughs> There's plenty of position statements being put out by a few of the people now, so I refer to those, and um, it's I try to keep to a. Um, I've cancelled a couple of sessions this year mm-hmm. um, because it was just too bad, but most sessions are just um, have just been. You, you, I'll be there and I'll conduct the session. If it's too, if there's too much smoke, I will reduce intensity, mm-hmm. but then it'll be athletes call. Of course. Yeah. So if you're an asthmatic, people haven't been able to train. Mm-hmm. It's hit people hard. Have, have you uh, stopped a couple of sessions yourself, Wolf, or have you been training through it? Mostly training through it. Have mm. you noticed it? Like, can you taste that dirt in the air? Like? Yeah, yeah, I have. Mm. And, you know, probably common sense didn't prevail. I should have probably called it and not gone out. Mm. But uh, I know it's, it's a bit of a bug, isn't it? We, we had a big, I was um, coaching at a camp over at Sydney Academy of Sport at Narrabeen and um, Manly Warringah League football team yeah. Yeah. Um, trained there 
we had a day there it was just ridiculous mm. like we had to train indoors we there's no way like you would barely you'd barely want to walk outside in it mm. and mainly we're trained and then huh? full-on sprint stuff and it's because they're hard asses but yeah, hard asses that's culture for you yeah. they don't really you know that, that's the old the old school mentality but having said that oh, i did a uh, 1ktt in the pool last week mm. um and i was it was pretty smoky mm-hmm. uh, you could it was pretty bad and none of the athletes complained they and so at the start of the summer when it was all coming in it was quite confronting everyone was like oh what's going on here i can't i can't breathe it feels bad and um, but I think people have got used to it and sort of a, they're a bit accustomed to it now. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make it any better. No, no, no. But people are, are, are still getting out there. My position is just, you know, um, we've got these apps now that where you've got air quality index, so pretty much go off that and go off common sense. And yep. Yeah, but I have cancelled a couple of sessions. Yeah, okay. Have you not gone out because of... Oh, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, a couple of times I missed probably a lunch run, I suppose. Uh, I went out one morning early on in the smoky sort of stuff in December and just came back feeling crook in the guts and like mm. I could taste dirt in my mouth. Yeah, so, yeah it's not Yeah, it's not pleasant. So, yeah, a couple of runs I've changed. We had to cancel a norm just before Christmas to go to the pub instead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was it's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we moved the session indoors. Yeah, That's great. I think we probably got more out of that session than if we had a run. Definitely. Yeah, good knowledge shared that night. I felt better the next day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, that's my last question on, um, yeah, there's, there's probably nothing more... I don't know, exciting than seeing a triathlete on the piss after an Ironman. <laughs> they just seem to get right into their stride. Is there any yeah. advice you give to your athletes about the night after an Ironman? Enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> My rule as a coach is I'll come along and I'll have one or two with you and I'll walk out of the pub and lead you to it. <laughs> what happens on tour stays on tour. <laughs> Good strategy. <laughs> Well, thanks very much for your time, Pete. It was, it was great chatting to you. Thanks for having me. So if anyone wants to uh, look you up and, and find your business, where, where can they find you? It's, um, we're online, highperformancetry.com, H-I-G-H, yep. performance, T-R-I. Yep. And, um, yeah, I'm, yeah. Facebook. Usual. Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, on, um, I'm personally on Instagram and um, Twitter. HPT coach Pete. Right. So easy. Look Definitely. me up and uh, look me up and troll me. Yeah, troll. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I plan to. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. We'll uh, we'll chat soon. Thanks, mate. See you. Thanks for having me.